Welcome to episode 217 of the Various Sundry Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio, the beautiful campus of Grace College Theological Seminary, by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is ready for spring, mm-hmm. John Scott Sloat. Very much so. Ready to be outside, ready. Yeah. To play golf, ready to you go. You got on yard walks. work to do. There, the things must be accomplished. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So on uh, on the day we're recording this, it's supposed to hit sixty. I think I'm pretty pumped. And the day this releases, it's supposed to hit like sixty-seven. Yeah, that's Which, my kind of February. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty mild February. Yes, yes. I'm not sure we've had many highs below freezing in the month of February. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. January we did. January we had a few days of snow. Yep. Yep. Um, but not a ton. No. no. Uh, February's been really mild. It's been great. Um so uh what's on the what's on the slot agenda for the for the for the landscaping, the yard work? You always got something that you're planning. Um yeah, so this will be year two in our house in Fort Wayne. Probably now that we've seen everything pop up and grow, we know what we have. Uh, mm-hmm. We're probably looking to put in a few more colorful plants out front All right. uh, that will that will have some pop a color out front. Um, we will. So last year we power wash and stain the inside of our fence, hmm. and this summer we'll do the outside of our fence. All right, uh, which is against the HOA to have a fence. Interesting. But we got grandfathered in because we had a fence before the HOA made that decision. Oh. And so now it's about- But it had a fence when you moved in, right? That's right. Okay. And our job now is to make sure that fence lasts as long as humanly possible. And we are allowed to repair the fence. But not replace it. But not replace it. But, you know, uh, what's the guy's ship? Uh, Thebius's ship? Is that the name of the the philosophical- Question, Thebius, I believe it's Thebius' ship. Um, I'm not following. Um, where, <laughs> like, you have a ship, uh, Thebius' ship, and he replaces a board every day on the ship, and eventually he gets through the whole ship. Um, at what point did it stop being Thebius' ship and being a new ship? Mm, you know, I see. And I asked the same question with this fence. If I replace every board on this fence <laughs> day by day by day, does it stop being a grandfathered fence and becomes yeah. a new fence? I think it's a fascinating question. Okay, so how aggressive is your HOA like enforcement? Like uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, the The meeting for our HOA uh, is the day this drops, February twenty uh, seventh. Yeah, is that tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, so I plan to go. In the evening to this. And this will be your first time attending one of these? Yes. Okay. Yes. First time attending. Are they um, annual? Yearly. Okay. Yearly. Uh, they vote on members and all sorts of things. Um, or oh, vote, vote on board directors. Oh, okay. Things like that. I will say the only experience I've had with my HOA thus far um, has been uh, the police came to our house when we were on vacation. Have I told this on pod? I think so. Okay. We had the kid – Draw on our garage door with like a paint pen. Yeah. And the HOA president came to our house to clean it off. Oh, my. That's a dedicated HOA (laughs) president. Uh, And beyond that, uh, she told me, I'm going to stake out your street this week. Just a heads up. And she sat in her car on our street looking for this kid who 
as far as I know, never came back. Wow. Okay, see, that would terrify me a little bit. <laughs> like, my impression of um, of people who are that dedicated to an HOA yeah. makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. That, that they're investing too much of their life and find too much importance in being in that role. I want someone who takes the – the the look and the vibe of the neighborhood seriously, mm-hmm. but that feels a little concerning to me. So I know my neighbor sued the HOA over his fence. Like he wanted a privacy fence and he and the HOA went to court. Wow. So – Yeah, it's but- it's not good. It's, <laughs> it's not a good – like like I live in a neighborhood with a very active HOA. I, but I don't – it, I haven't felt repressed by it at any point. Do you have to pay dues? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like significant. I'm not going to ask you for the amount, but would you consider them significant dues? Um, let me let me put it up. Well, I'll write it on a piece of paper okay, and show you. Yeah, yeah. Um, to show you uh, what I pay annually. Okay. All right. That's not terrible. It's not terrible, but it's not insignificant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so every January 1st, it's due. And what benefits does this get you? Um, they do. I mean, honestly, we have a lot of lakes, and I think it goes to the care of those lakes. Okay. I think that's really what this pays for. Isn't there? And maybe that's covered under something else. But when you come to your, into your development, there's like a pool or like a pavilion. It's like a p- pavilion, isn't there, or something? Isn't it like a community yeah? That's not center? ours. That's not, that's not ours. Okay. So that is actually a real a realty office. So realtors have offices there. Oh, interesting. And then they use it as like a venue space. So. Like every now and then, I'll almost kill somebody crossing the street for like a, a bridal shower or something okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you would like to contact the show and find out more about John's HOA, mm-hmm. you can find us on Twitter at VNS Pod. You can email the show, various sundry podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube. And we would love for you to leave a five star rating and a review. I got two more things that I've run into my HOA with that are just coming to mind now. Okay. Yes, we might need to do a whole episode on um, HOA. <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted to get a new roof for our house. Yeah. You know, the house is twenty five years old; it needs a new roof. Yep. Um, and so we had a guy out, quoted us, did all these things, decided to go with him, put it in, and then I get like the HOA newsletter, and it says any architectural changes have to go through the HOA, and I'm like, new roof, is that? An architectural change? Do do I have mm-hmm. to? And so I shot him an email. They said yes. Oh my! And so I submitted the paperwork by email, and I got an email like a month later. Like, well, people normally mail this in, so we don't know what to do with an emailed copy of this form. Print it and and file it away. <laughs> and they're like, we'll accept it this time. And oh, I went, okay, that's fine. And I thought that was just them saying, good to go. You know, they've they've accepted my paperwork. I thought yeah. that email was was the answer. Uh, so the guys came in, did my roof in a day, did my whole house in a day. Yeah. Uh, and I get an email three weeks after the fact that says, "Hey, by the way, your roof's been approved." <laughs> well, that's a relief. Um, so that's one story. The other story, and how I learned that my fence was not HOA approved, is I met our neighbors behind us. Yeah. And he. He had served on the HOA board for a number of years, mm-hmm. 
And he goes, yeah, the HOA board determined they don't like fences because it gets – we want the open feel. We want a very open feel behind everything. And I'm like, maybe you do. I, I don't necessarily want an open feel. Yeah. And I mentioned, like, oh, yeah, well, well you know, we'll, we'll think about that. He goes, well, maybe you don't want the fence. Maybe you just want to get rid of the fence. Maybe you just want to tear it down. I don't think so. <laughs> I, we we want the fence. Yeah, like our our backyard is landscaped for a fence. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little weird to to describe, but yeah, yeah. HOA board member really got excited about me tearing down my fence, and wow. I had to ruin his day and tell him I'm not tearing down that fence. No, no. Yeah, goodness, that that would terrify me. Do you have an HOA in your neighborhood? A uh, a a very very loose one. Okay, so basically, like if you don't mow your grass and it's a, it's above knee high, they're going to come after you. Yeah, but if you if you do the normal, it was way more active when we first moved in. Like we first moved in, and this was before, um, uh, Menards. Okay, moved yeah, into yeah, yeah, the yeah. area where they are now, which is right right essentially. N- Next to slash behind, kind of. You maybe couldn't hit it with a rock, but maybe a golf ball yes, from your for yard sure, for yeah. sure. Um, and there were people in our neighborhood who were adamant against trying to keep Menards out of out of the spot that it's in now because it's too close to the development. Interesting. And the reality was like, it was the people who were that were most annoyed by it were the people on the outside of the of the circle. Yeah. So that. You know, they were like, "Well, there's going to be lights from Menards and like that shine into our like." Okay, well, you know, having just moved here from at that point the Chicago suburban area, I'm like, I want more stores. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. more shopping <laughs> options. Like, this is good to me. Like, yeah. you're not going to persuade me to sign on to a petition that would limit additional shopping options in my community. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the. That's a good shopping center at the end of the it day. Is. And I it is. I think there's still enough woods in between Menards and Yeah. And you know, here, here's the reality. Like that's the risk you take mm-hmm. when you buy a house in a certain location in the subdivision. Like Yeah. It could happen. It yeah. could develop that land. Yep. Uh so anyway. All right, John. Uh didn't have that in the show notes, but uh Boy, that was great content. How, was how far great. in the show are we, we right are now? We are 10 minutes and 50 seconds. I love so. it. Yes. I love it. So, That's great content. Yeah, absolutely. Stellar. Uh, yes. Uh, John, let's talk about some sports. Um, we S- are, Spring training started this week. Baseball games are underway. Yeah. Are, are, have you watched any Mets spring training? Highlights. I've watched highlights. Probably okay. the first one I'll watch is tomorrow. All right. I'll probably watch. I'll probably have it on in the background tomorrow afternoon. Baseball and golf are terrific background noise. One hundred percent, particularly sports. spring training. Background yeah. noise is fantastic. Yeah, it's really probably not much different than listening to a podcast. No, while you're no. cranking through email mm-hmm. or or things like that. So, um, but uh, really, basketball kind of takes true center stage now. Yeah. The Super Bowl is gone and done with, and so the football season's over. Basketball season is now front and center. Uh, we've hardly talked any NBA. Um, we've touched in, we've dipped in on the Knicks a few times. A little bit, yeah. So I was looking at the standings, 
Yeah. And as of this day, we're recording on Monday, February 26th. Here are the top four in each conference. In the East, you've got the Celtics, the Cavs. The Cavs are in second place. That's in the wild. East. The Bucks, who haven't really hit their stride yet with uh, Doc Rivers as the coach. They, I think they're still struggling a little bit. Uh, and then your beloved New York Knickerbockers. Yeah, coming in at the fourth seed. Yeah. I'm good with that for now. I think they have the skill to get to the second seed. I think they have a lot of injuries currently. Julius Randle's out. Yep. OG, guy's last name I can't pronounce. Um, uh, in fact, Lee and Milford will text me and tell me how to oh, pronounce I'm sure. this, as I'm sure. he often does, which I know when he listens to the pod uh, because he then will text me uh, yeah. when he wants to uh, let me know that I got something wrong. Um, so uh, once they're healthy and once they're back, uh, they'll get their center back as well. Uh, they could be a real force. Um, they just – how healthy can we be in yeah. the playoffs? I think I think is the big question. All right. Uh, and then in the West, the Timberwolves are That's the wild. one seed currently, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Another surprise. Then the Nuggets, then the Clippers. Now, if you look at that in that Western Conference, um, you know this has to have. Uh, the NBA office in a panic. That Golden State and the Lakers are 9-10? Lakers, Warriors, not near the top, flirting with play-in slash maybe not even making yeah. the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's uh, – Although the Warriors are three games up on the next closest team. And the Suns. Where are the Suns? You have the standings are in front of you. Uh, the Suns are six. Okay. The sixth seed. But the Kings, man, the Kings, Sacramento, number the, five. Yeah, Isn't that wild. That terrifies the NBA front office. Mm-hmm. Terrifies it. Well, you have the Twin Cities at the top. That's a good media market. There's a, there's quite a bit going on in Minnesota. Yeah. Okay, but n- none of these teams, like the Timberwolves, the Thunder, even the Nuggets, though they have Jokic. Very little star power. They don't have the star the star power, and they they're not going to draw outside their media market. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Like, like that's what the NBA is looking for. They, yeah. Like the Celtics will draw. They have a more national fan base just because of their historic franchise, yep. right? The yep. Knicks, huge media market, and also a bigger uh, interest level across the country. Yeah. Than, yeah. They're they're well hated yeah. across the, across the league, despite being terrible for the last fifteen so years. So that's that's what the NBA is looking for. Once you get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. is having teams alive that don't just bring in their own media market, but will draw people outside of their media okay. market. What do, what do you think about the Clippers in that scenario? Because the Clippers are in Los Angeles, one of the one second of the, biggest yeah media yeah market. very very big media market, um, yet. I don't think I've ever met a Clippers fan. Nobody cares about the Clippers. You, so, so they're irrelevant in. I think so. Interesting. I, don't you? Yeah, I, that's the way I lean. Although I don't know why. I mean, they have they their have, second fiddle. They have yeah, they have Kawhi. They have um, Paul George. Who else is on that team? I don't even know. Those are the two. I have no idea. But I, I just don't. 
Do you I, feel that way about Brooklyn? Do you feel like Brooklyn's a second fiddle team? Yeah. Okay. Even though they've been better in the last 10 years than the next? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, how many – I mean, part of that's just the weird – that's a recent transition, right? I mean, it used to be the New Jersey Nets. Yeah, but they might have been closer to Madison Square Garden when they were in Jersey than when they were yeah. in <laughs> – Yeah. So the, Brooklyn. the move yeah. to Brooklyn was, a, I think, an intentional effort to more explicitly identify themselves with the New York City media market. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's worked or not, I don't know. I, I mean, the, you know, they, they had their little stint where they tried to buy themselves a championship with Durant, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Well, they tried to do that before with uh, – was it Joe Jackson? What, who is who is the – I don't remember. No, Joe, Joe, Joe Johnson. It was Joe Johnson. Yeah, but he wasn't – even at his peak, he was was not on the same level as – Right, but they put him on there with Darren uh, – uh, is it Darren Williams? Yeah, I think so. They put the two of them together. Yeah. Um, and they went virtually nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's only one basketball out there. <laughs> uh, so – yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. The All-Star break comes late in the season. Mm-hmm. So there's only what, like I think maybe 25, 30 games left in the regular season? Like um, How many I, do they play? 82. 82 Celtics are at 57. Yeah, so that's 25 games. Yeah. So you, I think we're accustomed to thinking about the All-Star break as sort of like the halfway mark, but it's more like the two-thirds mm-hmm. mark of the season. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how that all develops. Um, yeah. what, what, what professional sports league has the best All-Star festivities? I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not really attracted to any of them anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe maybe the all maybe maybe the home run derby part of the so I will say this MLB we talk about baseball's all star break on this podcast and we talk about the NBA all star uh, game mm-hmm. festivities on this podcast we do not talk about the Pro Bowl no like like no like that that that's bottom shelf I think we can agree on yes. Um, I guess I don't know a lot about the NHL if we're still counting that. I, I would count that as a major sport. That's a major sport. Um, yeah, I don't know much about it either. I mean, I know they've tried to completely revamp the Pro Bowl with let's play flag football yeah. and let's have all these like competitions that players, you know. They used to do an Eli Manning, Peyton Manning draft of players as well. Yeah. I don't know how that went. NBA did that with uh, LeBron and. But then they moved away from it. Yeah, they went. They moved away from it this year. I don't know. Uh, let's talk a little college basketball. We're we're not too far away from March Madness. When this yeah. episode drops, it'll be three weeks away from the initial play-in game. Okay. Of the NCAA tournament in Dayton, right? They play yeah, those in Dayton. The first four yeah. in uh, in Dayton there, um, and uh, yeah, I. I mean, it seems like the teams that are probably headed towards uh, one seeds, you've got UConn, you've got Houston, you've got Purdue. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like maybe there's another, you know, grouping of teams that could float into that, float out of it. Um, But I just don't know if there's a dominant team this year. Yeah. So it could be wide open again. Uh, And we will – 
we will once again have our March Madness bracket competition. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my to-do list. Uh, and uh, the winner will receive a signed copy of one of my books. So that's something to look forward to. Um, and also on the college basketball front, we should mention our own Grace College men's basketball team won the regular season Crossroads League title. and In pretty dominant fashion. Yeah. 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 And uh, we'll start conference tournament play this week. I think even if they lose in the conference tournament, they will still probably be the number one overall seed. But we'll see. Do you know what? who went and watched uh, uh, Grace Men's Basketball and asked me to join him last week in Fort Wayne at St. Francis University? But I was I was out of town. Do you know who, Do you know what listener? What listener? Uh, would that be Chase? No. Okay. No. Uh, Danny in Ohio. What made, was he doing in? Uh... He made the drive for the game. Wow. And so he's been tweeting about Grace basketball a little bit. Okay. Uh, and uh, he'll he love the shout out. He was texting me while watching this game, like, dude, Elijah is unreal. Is a, is a beast. <laughs> and he's been tweeting about it a little bit and. Um, yeah, podcast came up on Twitter this week for me, by the way. Really? Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, Dean and Sarah. Yes, that's right. Uh, Dean and Sarah, pastor of, I believe it's City Connect Church in Tallahassee, uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. He was on campus speaking. He's good friends with our uh, vice president of advancement. Um, yep. Vice president of advancement has a meeting. So I actually took him to the airport and we, we just had a great time talking and, and hanging out. And uh, he, uh, we actually gave him a copy of Galatians commentary when he was here. Did you know that? that you we, told me that. Yes, yes. We, we, we did. And he actually tweeted a quote from your Galatians commentary. Yeah. And I retweeted it and said, we'd, we'd love to have you on campus. And Danny in Ohio jumps in and goes, I would love to hear the three of you have a conversation. And oh, we can probably make that happen and like, I next went, time he comes. I, I think that's a very real – and I think it would be a lot of fun too. Yeah. A lot of fun. Anyway, the, the pod got mentioned. We'll have our people work with his people. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning we'll have Nathan text him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, John. we got to get started on our main topic here. You yeah, ready? Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. We're continuing our series on some Christ hymns. These are uh, texts, particularly in Paul's writings, that um, are – uh, often called hymns by scholars uh, that focus on who Christ is and what he's done and whether or not they were actually sung by uh, early Christians, uh, who knows. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's also debate as to whether did Paul write these or did he – Were these wa- pre-existing? Pre-existing. Yeah. Uh, either way, by including them in his letter, Paul is clearly – endorsing what's in them. So I never really understood the like fascination with trying to, you know, argue vocally over did Paul write this? Did he not? And Yeah. Okay. Well even if he didn't. He's he's, endorsing it clearly. He's clearly endorsing the theology. So what (laughs) It is interesting to be like, oh right, well if it wasn't Paul, then who? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I think some scholars try to some critical scholars do that as a way of trying to um Draw, drive a wedge between, well, what the hymn says and what Paul says elsewhere kind of thing. Like, that's dumb. Don't do that. That's my official scholarly position. Yeah. That's yeah. dumb. Don't do that. Yeah. 
I take that a position with a lot of college students, yeah. <laughs> so we're in Colossians today, Colossians yep. 1. We did Philippians 2 last week, so if you missed that, uh, you can check that out, episode 216. Uh, John, why don't you read for us Colossians 1, 15 through 20? Would love to. Uh, so Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the in- image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him, All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, uh, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All right. Amen. So, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about— So can can I just start us off with something? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My little brother in high school was in love with this secular band— uh, called Thrice. Have you ever heard of Thrice? <laughs> I don't think so. It's a little bit of a screamo band. Okay. And uh, he would tell me, but John, this is before he was not a Christian, but 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 John, they, they have Christian themes. Hmm. And one of their songs is called The Image of the Invisible, where they basically screamo that line over and over and over again uh, from this verse. Interesting. Yes. I'll send it to you later. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Did not have that on the podcast bingo card there. Um, I'm really throwing us off today. We're, 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 we're really going to get. That's nah, fine. It's okay. Our, it's our podcast, John. We can go as long as <laughs> we, we want. do what we want. As long as we follow the number one rule of the podcast. Let's not get fired. Don't get fired. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, um, yeah. So Colossians, um, it's a fascinating letter hmm. because Paul – is addressing some kind of false teaching. Yeah. But there's actually, unlike a lot of the other Pauline letters, where there's pretty widespread agreement as to the nature of the false teaching that Paul's addressing, hmm. here it's not the case. You have very uh, divided opinion on whether Paul is um, addressing false teaching that is more like some form of Jewish uh, mm-hmm. teaching in nature or whether it's more um, kind of pagan slash um, sort of pre-Gnostic kind of stuff. Mm. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic that he's trying to address. I, I do think it is instructive that Paul deals with false teaching in almost every letter. Yeah. That that even that early in the church, oh, there, sure. there are false teachers popping up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so – I think that uh, it's helpful to kind of break down the passage into two chunks. I mean, the the division of the of the hymn itself, I think, very naturally falls into two pretty obvious uh, sections, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first section there, verses fifteen through seventeen, deal with Christ's uh, supremacy over creation, and then. Uh, 
verses 18 through 20 deal with his supremacy over the church. Hmm. I think you see that pretty clearly. Yeah, yeah, I think that break is there for sure. And so, um, yeah, let's just maybe walk through and hit some key uh, key phrases or concepts here. Uh, what's the first one that jumps out to you? I mean, honestly, image of the invisible God mm-hmm. feels like a, a pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think a very intentional reference back to Genesis 1 mm-hmm. and um, identifying Christ in that way. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Hebrews 1 picks up similar yeah. I, a similar concept using slightly different language. But um, this idea of Christ as the image of God, I think, speaks to um, his on, – on the one hand, it speaks to his humanity. Yeah. Because it's picking up echoes of Genesis 1 where Adam and Eve are described as being made in the image of God. Do you- so uh, as you, as our church has sort of been preaching, not sort of, is preaching through Genesis, mm-hmm. we see in like, uh, uh, Gen- I believe Genesis uh, 5, it talks mm-hmm. through the genealogy of Adam and, uh, you know, Seth is created or his father's a child in his own image. Yep. Uh, sort of alluding back to Genesis 1. Yep. Um, it seems significant to me that that they take Christ and not like in the image of Mary or, or mm-hmm. of Joseph, but, but ultimately go all the way back to God himself. Yeah. Um, and not, not through the human line, but, but, Correct. but around it. So there's, there's, so it, I guess the question I'm asking, second Adam sort of, sort of language here? Well, there's a both and because um, I, I think on the one hand, in calling Christ the image of God, we are affirming his uh, – it, 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 I think it affirms both his deity and his humanity mm. uh, because I think on the on the deity side, when you when you look at this concept of an image, it's intended to clearly reflect uh, the one whose image that they bear. And if you look actually down further in the context here, right, I think, this is reinforcing this, verse 19, in him, referring to Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Hmm. So it's, again, getting at this both human and divine natures that Christ had. Um, and let, let me ask you this. The image of the invisible, the mm-hmm. play on words there, like 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 he's the, he's the imprint of something that is – that ultimately does not have – yeah, he's the physical representation of uh, of the invisible God, and that God, in His essence, is not a physical being. Hmm. It's a spiritual being; does mm-hmm. not have a physical form. Mm-hmm. So that any physical form that we see of Him is not His um, is not really His essence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to say that Christ is the image of the invisible God is to say He is the visible representation of who God is. Hmm. And um, and yet I would say even in this language of the image of God, uh, he is – I think part of what the New Testament is telling us is that Christ himself was the prototype for humanity. Yeah. We, we often think of him as the – you know, 
Well, he he comes later down the road. He's the mm-hmm. culmination, so to speak. You know, he's well in a human sense. In one sense, yes, that's true in terms of incarnation. Yeah, but in terms of, it's not like God makes Adam and then decides. Okay, when Christ comes along, he's going to be in the image of God, only perfect, where Adam wasn't. Yeah, it's no, no. no. Christ has always been the image of the invisible God. Mm -hmm. So when God makes Adam, he's making him in the image of Christ. Hmm. Um, Is that that what meant by the next phrase there, firstborn of all creation? uh, Well, yeah, I I think— Is that getting after that idea? Yeah, firstborn there, uh, this is where uh, in church history our good friend, uh, our not-so-good friend, Arius, Mm -hmm. and uh, modern-day Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses go astray— when they see this language, they say, see, he's a created being. And mm-hmm. that's not how to understand the language of firstborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the key texts to help us see this is uh, in Psalm 89. Uh, you, and I think this is probably potentially even an allusion to Psalm 89. It's uh, it's in the ESV cross-references as well, 89.27. Yep, 89.27. This is talking about uh, David. I've got it if you're ready. Go for it. Okay. And uh, and I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Uh, my steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant uh, will stand firm for him. Yeah. So even in, in the Hebrew parallelism there in Psalm 89, firstborn equals preeminence. Hmm. It, it doesn't have the connotations of birth— so much as it has connotations of preeminence. And I think that's clearly what the context here points to, that he's not that that Christ was not the first from among creation, as mm-hmm. if he was the first thing made, but rather that he is preeminent over creation. Hmm. And that's the that's the sense there. Which I think also picks up some uh Allusions and echoes of, of Proverbs eight, in talking about uh, where it talks about wisdom as the master craftsman who is with God at creation. Hmm. So I think you know that, that that firstborn language has to be understood canonically and biblical, biblically theologically, um, in that sense. Uh, and even just you know, it's it's remarkable when you think about this. Even this last part, this is one of the parts of the of the Christ hymn that always uh, just blows me away. Is the last line of seventeen? He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Mm-hmm. That I think we tend to think of the universe as this like well-oiled machine that just kind of runs on its own. Yeah. And yet a text like this helps us to see that if if for any second Christ stopped holding the universe together, it would cease to exist. Gravity would turn off. Yeah, yeah. everything would literally just implode upon itself and, and, and not work. <laughs> Things would disintegrate. Yeah. Things would, yeah. So that Christ is actively holding all things together. Hmm. And so, um, you know, it's it, – it, I think that's sort of a – it's a rebuke to our inherent um, soft uh, soft deism mm. 
that we tend to think of the universe as just sort of, well, God made it, and now he's just kind of watching it. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's engaged in it. He's, in, he's in active in it in some ways. But that the universe is somehow just kind of utterly distinct and separate from God, and he's just sort of, you know, kind of wound up the universe like a clock. Yeah. And now it's just kind of running on its own. Mm-hmm. That's not what this text says. Um, and then second half, uh, unless there's something, anything else in that first half you wanted to hit on. I mean, we could talk about a lot of stuff, yeah. but let's move on to the second half. So he is the head of the uh, head of his body, the church, uh, beginning and firstborn from the dead. So there's again that firstborn language, yeah, uh, referring obviously to his. Resurrection. Resurrection. He's the mm-hmm. preeminent one, the first one um, to emerge resurrected from the dead. And um, I love this line, that in everything he might be preeminent. Mm-hmm. That the goal of creation is to display the preeminence of Christ. Hmm. Which, just in terms of application, that kind of tells us what we should be about. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there are multiple ways to to do that, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't just mean like worship in the mm-hmm. sense of like singing praises. I think mm-hmm. some people go, well, what else does that include? So what else would you say that includes? What does it look like to make, cre- uh, make Christ preeminent in all things in our own daily lives? Well, I, I think some of it is the things you do but the motivation you do them with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, I'm even thinking back to our earlier conversation about yard work like – uh, uh, tilling the ground, you know, you know, you know, you know, doing uh, the things around our house ultimately to the glory of God, and and um, seeing Christ as being sovereign over it, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with HOAs and and <laughs> you know ver- various various other things. Um, yeah, uh, particularly when dealing with people coming across image bearers, things like mm-hmm. that, seeing them as uh, you know, uh, treating them how Christ would ultimately treat them, and yeah, uh, th- things like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think um, – and then that last part there in verses 19 and 20, I, I find myself reflecting on um, the fact that central to uh, – well, let me put it a different way. That we rightly talk regularly about the centrality of the cross for redeeming human beings. Hmm. Absolutely central. And yet – Scripture goes beyond that to say that and mm-hmm. more in terms of Christ uh, redeeming, as, as the text here says, um, reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That there is a cosmic scope to yeah. what Christ has accomplished mm. that includes a new creation. However you understand that, whether you understand that as a renewal of the present creation or a brand new from scratch new creation. Newly spoken creation. There you go. (laughs) Um, And that just reminds us that uh, there are ramifications and implications of Christ's death on the cross that extend beyond even just our – vertical relationship with mm-hmm. God or even our just our relationship with other people that extends to our relationship to creation itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think we have a tendency to either go – I think people I think people will see that, that there is a vertical and a mm-hmm. horizontal relationship. I'm just thinking on the individual level here. But I think people tend to 
lean to one or to the other mm-hmm. uh, and think about that and that alone. And I think I think you got to have both. You know, you know, the vertical should really impact the horizontal as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that reconciliation. And uh, kind of wrap up the discussion here. It should be remembered that just as in Philippians, uh, this Christ hymn is placed here in Colossians for a practical reason. Mm-hmm. It's not just um, here's this cool piece of theology mm-hmm. that you should know. But ultimately, it's here is this important reality about who Jesus is, and he's going to build off of that in the rest of the letter as a, therefore, here's how you should live. Since Christ is this way, since this is who Christ is, and this is what he's done, then you should live a certain way. You should be mm. a certain kind of people. And I think that's important to remember even as we discuss these Christ hymns that uh, they're not theology for the sake of theology. Hmm. They are theology for the sake of the practice of the church, the practice, the worship, the ethics, the lived out experience of the church. Hmm. Well, there's way more we could say about that. But Absolutely. We, we need to move on to this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, February 27th. February 27th. Uh, Almost done with February. Well, this is a leap year, so remind remind you, we we have a couple extra days still. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, I'm not looking forward to uh, Daylight Savings coming up. It's March 10th, I think. It's early. Goodness. Uh, That's tough to – that's a tough couple nights of sleeping. Oh, yeah. Um, That hits the body hard. It does. For whatever reason, throwing you off an hour is just – In some ways, it's almost more difficult than – like when I've traveled overseas, like I find it sometimes easier to adjust to like a six or eight-hour time difference overseas than I do like the one-hour bump because like the six or eight-hour one, you you, you sort of – you know. You gear up for it. You gear up you for gear it. You gear up for it. Yeah. And you just kind of grit your teeth and get through that first and day. And you're doing a lot. And then you get to the first full night of rest. And by, by the second day, you're like, all right, I'm basically adjusted. Yeah. So anyway. anyway. Uh, 1959, <laughs> Boston Celtics. Bob Cousy sets NBA record with 28 assists. Uh, Boston Celtics score 173 points against uh, their rivals, uh, the Minneapolis Lakers. Do you know who holds the current NBA record for most assists in a game? It was bro- they broke this record. Mm, how recently? Give me a time frame. Oh, this would have been oh, 80s, 90s, 80s, 90s. Play for the Magic. Ooh, the Magic. Yeah. I was I was thinking Celtics. Um, nope. I don't know. It's actually an Indiana guy. A guy from Indiana didn't play for Indiana, but okay. Scott Skiles. Remember that name? No, no, okay. no, no. Thirty assists in a game. Hmm. I was thinking Danny Ainge for for whatever reason, but he's uh, a Mormon. Well, I don't, I don't think that would keep him out of this <laughs> out of that category, would That's it? True. Are the Mormons I, I, not allowed to assist people? I, I, I in don't basketball? know, but pro- <laughs> I would I would think they're still probably allowed to. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's very wealthy. Um, 1987, <laughs> uh, American Mike Conley. Uh, sets world indoor triple jump record, uh, 17.76 meters in New York. Yeah. So what does that equate to? That's like uh, that's like 50, a little over 50 feet, 50, like 53 feet, something like that. I don't know. The conversion really. It's the metric system, man. 
Um, I know it's like a little bit longer than a yard, so let's call it 20 yards. I mean, so I assume you've watched the triple jump at some point. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's fascinating to me, actually. I don't know how they invented that, but. (laughs) I mean, some of these things, you know, have to have bizarre backstories. Uh Uh-huh. Like the like the biathlon in in Winter Olympics, skiing see, and shooting. You see, that one makes a lot of sense to me. Like in the Nordic countries, like <laughs> skiing away from your enemies and shooting them, and then continuing to ski on <laughs> to get further away, shooting a little bit more, makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, but not triple jumping. No, I, I just don't know when in life you're going to use the triple jump. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I think his his son Mike Conley Jr. is more well known than than Mike Conley Senior. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I was. I saw Mike Conley. and went like, "This is not the basketball player." No, um, no. but it's his dad. Yeah. Okay. Um, grew up in Indiana. Mike Conley did. Jr. Um, did. Also uh, belongs to the same golf club as uh, my grandfather-in-law. I guess. I guess is okay. Junior or senior? Junior. Okay. Junior. Uh, 92, 1992. Uh, Prairie View. Uh, sets an NCAA Division I record for most defeats in a season with uh, a 112-79 loss to Mississippi Valley State in the first round of the Southwest Athletic Conference Tournament. Prairie View's 0-28 mark breaks the record of 27 losses shared by four teams. That's brutal. Yeah, that's tough. Though in the NAIA, in the Crossroads League with Grace is another school named Goshen College. Oh, yeah? They are 0-28 this year. They finished the season 0-28. Really? Every single game. I didn't realize that. They lost every single game. It's It's a real tough division. Well, the Crossroads League is, but I mean, you know, you schedule what, 12, 13 games out of conference? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize they lost that badly. I mean, yeah, ouch. Oh, my Brutal. goodness. Um, yeah, I need to go look at the standings. They didn't make the tournament, that's for sure. No, no. Uh, 1998. All right. We're in my lifetime here. Uh, I guess the last <laughs> one was, too. 92 was in my lifetime. But 98. Indiana's 124-59 victory over Portland marks the first time in NBA's 51-year history that one team uh, scores more than twice as many points as the other. They that's doubled, hard, up, doubled them up. That's hard to do at the NBA level. Well, and it happened to Portland in yeah. 98. Not a great franchise, the Trailblazers. Early 90s, they were good when they had Drexler and uh, Terry Porter and some other guys. They made the finals. Did they? Against the Bulls. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Well, did they take Sam Bowie? Was it the was it the Trailblazers that took Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan? Am I yes. the, do I have the right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then repeated the same thing by doing by picking uh, Greg Oden over. I forget who they picked Oden over, but of course both bigs ended up hardly playing in the NBA because of their injuries. Oh boy, um, Ode Portland. Oh uh, six, two thousand six. Effa Manley. Interesting name. Is the first woman elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. The former uh, Newark Eagles co-owner is among 17 people from the Negro Leagues and pre-Negro Leagues chosen by a special committee. Okay. I did not – I was not aware there were any women in the MLB or Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean I imagine they're in as owners. I would think so. Of of baseball teams. I would think so. Um, 
2010, Stephen Holcomb drives USA 1 uh, to the Olympic gold medal in the four-man bobsledding, uh, ending a 62-year drought for the Americans in the event. Holcomb's uh, four runtime was three minutes, 24 seconds and some change uh, with Justin Oslin. Olson. Olson, my bad. Uh, Steve Mesler and Kurt uh, Tomasevic? Sevich? Yeah, Sevich, I would think. Uh, pushing for him. Bobsled. Yeah, bobsled. All right. Uh, do, you, do you ever see the movie Cool Runnings? I actually have not. I've heard about it. Really? I don't think I've ever seen it, no. You need to go probably watch should. Cool, cool Runnings. And I hope, I hope our vast community of listeners will get on you about that. <laughs> probably. So who do you like out of this? Um, you know what? We don't have a lot of uh, losers. Uh, so maybe Prairie View. <laughs> okay. That might be the most interesting one to me. I'm, I'm open to pushback on that. We can go Prairie View. Okay. One thing you liked. Uh, so this last week, I spent the week in Indianapolis and uh, happened to be around a lot of our alum that I had when I was an RD uh, and got to touch base with them. And uh, just a pleasure to see uh, people in their late 20s walking with the Lord. That was, yeah. That was just good. Yeah. See a lot of former students walking walking with the Lord, talking about their church. Yeah. Yeah. And you grabbed lunch with uh, my son, John. Well, yeah. John was one of them. Yeah. He enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I paid for it. So I, I imagine he enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so uh, my one thing I liked, uh, which you knew was coming. Yes. Well, I think we talked about it right after we recorded the pod last week. Yeah. So uh, my son Jake got engaged this weekend. Hoorah. To the lovely Autumn Anderson. Nice. Dropping last names. So we are uh, – We are well, it's not going to be Anderson for very long. So she's not keeping her last name. Interesting. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so thrilled. Just had a, had a yeah. great uh, great day with that. Uh, Jake did a good job with the uh, proposal itself. He proposed at, uh, at our church. Nice. Since that's a very meaningful place for them. And so after that, they came back to our house where we had dinner with – uh, Kate and I and uh, John and then her parents and her two sisters and their husbands, uh, which was great. And then uh, had a bunch of Jake and Autumn's friends come over for dessert after that. Nice. So very fun. Very fun. So very excited to have her uh, join the family uh, at some point here when they get married. Yeah. Um, I can't share much more at this point, but we'll talk off pod. Yeah, 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 for sure. But very excited, very excited. Um, so that's my one thing I liked. All right, John, uh, we have talked homeowners associations. Mm-hmm. Did not have that one on the rundown. Uh, we have talked uh, some basketball. We have talked the Christ hymn in Colossians one. We have talked about Prairie View not winning a game. And that's there. not a church. It could also be a church. We talked about that. that's a college <laughs> that has a basketball team. Maybe it doesn't have a basketball team anymore after yeah, the season they have. That's a great question. Uh, and then uh, we talked about you catching up with some of our alumni. And, and we talked about another alumni of Grace College, my son Jake, getting engaged to his girlfriend Autumn. 
So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. <laughs>